And we're back. Dan Clark here, sitting with my co-host. Sean Keating, and we're still doing the podcast. Episode 7, people. We are, um, we're not, uh, I don't want to say dead yet, but uh, we're not uh, stagnant yet. People, people thought, if you thought we'd quit by now, you're wrong. <laughs> Give us at least seven more. And we've got a big show today. We've, this is the biggest fish we have, uh, we've been able to reel in here for, for a podcast. John Krasinski. That's right, folks. John Krasinski. Um, and not the guy from The Office, but John Krasinski, the writer for The Athletic, um, who I was lucky enough to get to know this season when he came to St. Peter to do a story on Mason Doherty, our basketball team, our community, the Doherty family, and um, just a guy that I've always known and respected just from his work on the radio, K-Fan, and um, I'm a subscriber to The Athletic, and just always enjoyed those stories that they do there. And so we get a great opportunity to talk to him just about um, his life as a journalist, how he got into it. We're going to talk to him a little bit about um, uh, life as a dad and just some of the idiosyncrasies of being in the media. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Whenever you talk to somebody who is, is operating in like a different space or I like to think of it as like a different, it's like a different universe almost. Like we, we live in the education universe or even the, you live in the coaching universe. We live in the dad verse. That one gets its own special name. But mm -hmm. like when you, when you talk to someone in the media industry, like you don't, there's just a depth of things going on that you don't really uh, you know, take into account when you're watching a sporting event or reading an article even, you don't understand how, you know, how uh, deep they dive into things and how many people they're talking to on a daily basis, you know, the travel schedule that they're going through. Uh, it's crazy. And that's, I, I like doing that to get, to get some, uh, some perspective on some different universes out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he's one of us. He's a Minnesota guy from Blaine and I think you're really going to enjoy um hearing from him and, and just encourage you if you've not read the, uh, the story he did on Mason, it's uh, 4,000 words. It's super in depth. He goes into not just um, the highlights Mason had, but goes into the, the real life that Mason lives, his family, talks to teammates, talks to people in our school and our community. And uh, it's really just some a fantastic piece of writing. And um, if you don't want to subscribe to the Athletic, I believe they offer like a, a seven day free trial, so you could you could get on there and, and just read it there. Well, but we can we can put that in the show notes. Sean. We sure could. Yeah, we sure That's could. That's a thing we can do now. So hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, you're uh, on Apple Podcasts, but you can listen on Spotify. You can listen on Anchor. You've got plenty of places. No excuses. It's a pandemic out there, people. Listen up to the crossover and John Krasinski. All right, all right. That a boy. There we go. <laughs> all these things, all these buttons, we got to figure <laughs> out. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's always dicey a little bit. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, John, for being willing to do this and giving us your time. No problem, no problem at all. So you're on dad duty for most of the day today. Yeah. So my my wife works um during the day. She works for Henneman County, and so um. Uh, I kind of have kid duty all day and helping with the distance learning and all that stuff. And then uh, in the evenings as we pass it, pass the kids on to her and I can get, try and get my work done. So it's a, it's a group effort. That's for sure. But uh, 
yeah, it gets uh, it gets to be a grind a little bit. How do, that that handoff is probably feels pretty glorious though, right? Oh man, it's like you know, <laughs> I think we we have a we have a, a kind of a designated time at about four thirty every day, and and if it's four thirty one and she isn't there, uh, we're having a conversation. Red <laughs> alert! Red <laughs> alert! That's right. That's right. So that's how it goes for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us. We. We've done, uh, Dan's kind of done his podcast thing for a couple of years and then, um, he kind of got complacent and, uh, <laughs> with this little break here, I kind of fired him up to kind of start our, start a co-hosting one again. And so we've, we've got a few episodes in here under our belt and, uh, basically just take the premise of talking about education and, and coaching and parenting three things that, uh, we can all kind of relate to and everyone seems to be an expert on. So, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> But uh, I know I, I was lucky to, to meet you when you, you came to St. Peter and did the story on Mason, which a lot of our listeners will, will be familiar with. But um, I just thought I'd reach out to you during this time because uh, it's a little bit of a, a weird time for everybody. So just, just fill us in a little bit about your role and your job and just kind of what life's like been for you in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's, you know, it's certainly been a, a big change, obviously. I mean, you go from, you know, having a an occupation that really is centered around going to arenas and, you know, interviewing players and, and, and analyzing and writing things off of games uh, and having that kind of evidence that is put in front of you on a, on a nightly basis, you know, through week after week. And then you have this built in audience of sports fans who are really interested in the results of, whatever you're covering and in kind of the behind the scenes information that comes with that. And now all of a sudden, all of that is gone. And so it really kind of has been a challenge to sort of recalibrate how you think about going about the job. And in terms of still looking for stories to produce that, people are going to want to read. Uh, you know, we are a subscription service at The Athletic, so people expect to have content coming into their phones and on their apps uh, as often as possible. And if the if the well runs dry, then we can expect them to, to go elsewhere. So, um, so it, it, it's been, um, you know, kind of a, a matter of trying to identify what can you write about and what can you report and 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 get by making phone calls and stuff that you that that you can use to construct stories that will be either entertaining, insightful, um, informative, uh, you know, kind of all of those things. And you know, it goes maybe you know you look back at past games, um, it, you know, in the past to kind of give a little history lesson. Maybe you're just catching up with members of the staff who are navigating these uncertain times and, and, and trying to relay their experiences. Um, you know, there's all sorts of different ways to do it. Uh, but yeah, we've, you know, we're, we're jumping through hoops a little bit right now to try and, um, try and get as creative as possible. And I think that will only, you know, increase, uh, you know, the longer that, that professional sports are on hiatus here. And so what does that, what does that process kind of look like for you? So you, I mean, you hand off the kids and now you get, yeah. you get your time. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, are you, are you brainstorming? Do you have to like, or are they giving you assignments to, to really, you know, trees to bark up or do you have to kind of come up with these original ideas on, you know, telling a story that, you know, maybe wouldn't have ever been discussed prior to this 
crisis? Yeah, it, it, it's a combination of things. I mean, we have uh, a group of of editors and and a hierarchy above us that we work with on a daily basis, and so a lot of times um, we have these basically brainstorming sessions uh, and just kind of throwing out ideas uh, that might work. You whether you're you're located in Boston or Chicago or Minneapolis or or wherever and. And and so you know we come up with with those kinds of ideas through through those types of methods and um, and then you know there might be one certain theme that that really resonates with with an editor and he might say hey I really like the idea of uh, where are they now type of a story for for every kind of team so then he might they might say uh, you know whatever beat you cover. So I cover the Timberwolves mostly, whatever beat you cover, find a, a player or a coach or somebody from the past, catch up with him, you know, bring people up to speed with where they're at. And, and, and we can do that across the entire company um, from, you know, from sea to shining sea basically. And so there, there are those kinds of assignments that come down the chute. Uh, and then, but then there's also, if I come up with a certain unique idea um, I'm certainly free to execute that. And they have a lot of faith in the individual reporter to be able to go out and sniff out um, all sorts of different angles and different stories and, 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 and kind of go off of the beaten path. And so there, you know, it, it's kind of multiple ways. Um, I think that, you know, in times like these that are, that are really unprecedented and we're all trying to figure it out. I, I do think that there is, strength in numbers in terms of being able to lean on my colleagues and say, hey, how are you handling this? What kind of ideas are you coming up with? And being able to really kind of, you know, steal from each other, uh, you know, have teamwork together and and make things happen that way. Um, so we can try and, you know, navigate this as best we can. So tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you got into where you're at. I know just kind of your bio at the athletic you were with the Associated Press for 16 years and a lot of a lot of our listeners have heard you on KFan and and Brero and and those outlets and and currently you're following the Timberwolves and, and you're heavily involved there but tell us a little bit about just kind of like sports for you growing up and just kind of your evolution into how you got into kind of the sports journalism business yeah so I grew up uh in Blaine uh the s- suburb of Minneapolis and um sports were always just a big part of my life. Uh, my, my father is a big sports fan. And so I kind of got it through him, I think. And, and I had a couple of cousins who that were big into it. And so I just kind of caught the bug, uh, that way naturally. And, um, I played, you know, as a kid played baseball, football, basketball, all the way up through middle school. And then in high school, I, I kind of, you know, I, I played football and ran track, um, but I always played intramural basketball and and kind of try to stay active that way. Um, as you know, Sean, I'm five foot seven on my best day. So uh, <laughs> any kind of dreams of becoming a, a professional athlete? Well, uh, I never or, saw your vertical, though. Be, I don't know what your yeah, vertical that's is. That's right. Well, I, it used to be a lot better than it is now. I'll tell you <laughs> that. Uh, but um uh, so, you know, any kind of dreams of, of actually doing it for a living were, you know, were unrealistic. Um, so I, but the other thing that I always loved to do growing up was, was write. Um, whether it was 
writing for you know my elementary school little student newspaper and 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 all the way up through i always love to write and i love to write about sports and so um I elementary kind of student newspaper yeah, yeah we that had like a month great how yeah, special like are a, they in Blaine that they have an elementary uh, student newspaper? Hey, Color we're, of we're the month, very people. advanced, <laughs> very advanced up there. I'm telling you, we're doing things that most people aren't. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we had like this month, this monthly piece. little pamphlet that we put together and and stuff. And so it That's was awesome. it was pretty fun. So um, yeah, but uh, you know, I, I just I was lucky because I had just real passions that kind of set foot, you know, and, and set took hold early in my life and. And I never wavered from those. Um, so when it became apparent to me that um, that you know being a professional athlete was not in the in the cards, like I just said, okay, I'm I, I really like to write. I'm going to write about sports. I got I you know I had Sports Illustrated came to my house um, when I was a kid, and I used to read that. I used to read the Star Tribune all the time, and just devoured that kind of coverage. And so. I just decided that I wanted to stay in close to sports some way. And, and, and I set about trying to do that. Um, went to St. Thomas uh, for college and uh, did, you know, print journalism was my major there. Um, and then graduated 2001 and uh, about six months after graduation, I, I was able to, to kind of get a, a low level entry position with the Associated Press. Uh, and, just kind of jumped around for a couple of years, working my way up. I went to Alabama for, for one year. I went to um, Indianapolis for a couple of years with the AP, came back to Minneapolis in 2005 to cover sports uh, for the AP there uh, at that time. And, you know, did, did it all, you know, Vikings, Twins, Gophers, Timberwolves, Wild. Um, but I really kind of, as, as, as my career went along, I really gravitated a little bit more to the NBA and, and to covering, you know, the Timberwolves in the, in the league at large. And, and so almost three years ago now, two and a half years ago now, um, the athletic came into existence and uh, saw an opportunity there to kind of try a different path and keep, keep my career going. And so now I've been, I've been there for, yeah, two and a half years covering the Timberwolves and, and the, and the Vikings primarily, but as you guys, as you guys know, you know, branching out and doing a Mason Doherty story here, or a gopher story there, things like that. So it's been a, a, a kind of a long and winding road, but, but certainly been an enjoyable one for sure. And so, so, I mean, sports obviously has their, you know, attractiveness to, to a large part of the populace, but I mean, writing isn't always something that, you know, grabs a lot of people's attention as something that's worthwhile. Like I try, I try to, I really try to do that in my class, but what, how would you sell it? Like, what is it about writing that you think is special and that, you know, really makes you proud of being able to, to put down on paper? Yeah. I mean, to me, I think it's, it's being able to, um, dive deep on a subject, um, much with much more effectiveness than you can in a, a video piece. I mean, we do see like, yes, the ESPNs of the world, uh, do really great and compelling um, features and and things like that uh, uh, that are that are video related certainly and but I think that a, the the vast majority of video content that you consume um, for an educational purpose or entertainment or whatever 
um, is is shorter in, in you know in length just by 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 nature and and um, and and so it can sometimes be a little bit more difficult to really sort of you know sink your teeth into every nook and cranny of a subject of a story of a person of you know of a of a game of of anything like that but with the athletic what we do is is we specialize in long form uh stories and that gives us the the time and the resources to really just pull apart every possible angle of of the of the subjects we're covering and so that means i think that um it, it allows whoever is consuming that and whoever is reading that to be i think as educated about every possible in and out of of what they're what they're interested in even more so than than a movie than a than a than a documentary than um then, you know, certainly a, a two or three minute uh, feature on a local sports cast or, or, or on the internet that you come across. And so I just like that. I just, I, I like to be able to have the time to just go as long as we can. I mean, the Mason story was 4,000 words. Um, I was able to really kind of look at all sorts of different angles and not have to gloss over anything or leave anything on the cutting room floor. And I know that kind of coming away from that, anybody who read that story from from top to bottom, I think had a real clear picture of everything that was involved, not just the good parts, not just the challenges, um, but but every part of it. And and so, you know, that that for me makes me feel good about you know being able to do it and and to really kind of go beyond the the surface level things that that shorter pieces and, and, and video, um, often are kind of forced to do that way. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll follow up on that just because, um, obviously for us, um, you know, going through with, with Mason this year and, and the recognition that he got and the cool videos that we all saw. And, and when Maniha came and, and just how that blew up on TikTok and everything. And, and that stuff was all really, really amazing and, um, tons of feedback that I got from it, but there's no doubt that out of, all the media coverage um, that Mason received, that story that you did was just unbelievable because like you said, it, it and unearthed everything. I know so many people, my wife included, that just she couldn't read it all at once just because she was getting too emotional and she had to put it down and just um, you, you told the facts, you told the truth, you didn't you know leave anything unturned, you told every side of the story and um, it's been a long time since I've read something like that and obviously I'm biased because it's, it's part of our program and our community, but um, that, that was really special and that's got to be super rewarding, um, for you as a writer to do something like that. And one of the follow-up questions I just had, what was the response like for you from that story? And I know I, I heard the segment with you on, on Paul Allen's show and, um, which was really cool. And, and I thought PA did a great job of, of just showing how important, uh, Mason's story was, but what, what's been some of the feedback that you got from that story? Yeah, it's been great. You know, um, we have just just to kind of see those kinds of stories that that resonate with not only basketball fans, but um, just people in general, I think, wanted to see that kind of a feel good story, but also, you know, kind of as we were talking about, not a fairy tale either, like understanding that 
that there are so many nuances to the struggles of the family that of, of going through and 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 so I think that there was a real understanding of just the the good times and the bad that everyone has had to uh, to deal with 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 Mason's story and so it, it, I I got a lot of feedback from people that just say you know. I, I never would usually read a basketball story, but boy, this one really just hit home. Or it's my cousin has Down syndrome, and uh, this you know really kind of reflects our experience. Or I have a next door neighbor who uh, who has a son who has Down syndrome, or um, you know things like that. Just being able to tie people together um, through sports. Uh, through that uh, that shared experience um, was really really rewarding. I mean, I did have um, one you know, one family reached out and said, you know, we have a, a, a four year old who has Down syndrome, and and we're trying to kind of prepare ourselves for what we have ahead of us, and this really helped us a lot. And I passed that along to Darren Doherty, the you know, Mason's father, and he said, Darren said here's my number, have them get in touch with me, we'll help them in any way that we can. And when when you know that you are kind of building those kinds of connections uh, that will help people in life, and it's beyond just what happened in a game and who won and who lost, I think there's nothing more that you can ask for uh, than to have those sorts of opportunities to bring those stories to light. And um I think that, you know, that's, that's what I have been in it for as much as anything in my career is trying to find the, the everyday life occurrences that are manifested in sports that anyone can relate to, whether they're a superior athlete or whether they've never picked up a ball in their entire life, but they can feel the human element of whatever that subject is going through and relate to it in some way and somehow. And so that's what I got, you know, so many messages like that um, from that story that it, you know, it really just does make you feel good for sure. I was going to follow up. So in the media world, like for me as a coach, as a head coach in high school, um, you know, you get to know other head coaches, right? You get to see them at, you know, obviously when you play them, but then at clinics and at other events and you start to kind of build this community of, um, people that, that for the most part, do a great job of supporting each other. And, you know, you can reach out to another head coach. Hey, have you been in this situation? Um, can you help me with this? How do you run this? Um, all those types of things. And, and then, you know, when you're, when you're on games, honestly, like just some of the emotional support, you get all that in the relationship. Some of my best relationships now are, are with other head coaches that I've gotten to meet over the years. And one of the things I always intrigue me about just being in the media, um, it's just those relationships for you, obviously, with other media that are that you're seeing covering the same beat or whatever it is, and then obviously the workers for the organizations that you're you're seeing on a regular basis. Um, what has that world been kind of like with that? Obviously, you're all trying to kind of have this race a little bit to you know report and and I'm sure it's just like any profession where some people you feel are doing it the right way and some people aren't. But what what is that world inside of of media like? Yeah, you know, I I think it is kind of similar to what you experienced, Sean, in your coaching is that um, a lot of times it's competitive, right? I mean, the the people that that you know at the Star Tribune or at ESPN or or at other outlets, I'm certainly competing with them 
to tell the best stories and to find out the most information and 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 to try and present the most accurate and fair pieces that I can. Um, and so, you know, there is an inherent competitiveness in that, just like when the coaches that you run up against uh, night in and night out, you're competing and you want to beat them. You want your, you, your team wants to come out ahead. But I do think that there are, you know, certainly writers, um, TV folks, uh, radio folks that you come across in this line of work that even while you're competing, there's just a high level of respect that you have for each other. You all understand the, 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 the rigors and the demands that the job puts on you. And so I think that the ones who do it, quote unquote, the right way, there's just a huge amount of respect and a kinship that, that we develop together. Um, we spend a lot of time around each other um, during a season. And, you know, I think I always try as best I can to have good, at least professional and cordial relationships with a lot of the other media members, but a lot of them are, are real good friends that come, you know, were, you know, come into my wedding and um, I'll grab beers with after a game and, and things like that, because, you know, it, it, it becomes, it's a hard job already, but it comes even harder if everything is adversarial all the time. And, you know, it just, that, that just makes things so difficult. Now there are some people out there that want it that way. And then you have to give that to them and you have to, and you have to acknowledge that and say, okay, this is the way it's going to be. That's fine. But I think it, it, in large part, there, there are just, it, it's a community of, of us that, that are, that are, you know, will bounce ideas off of each other that will give each other feedback on, on our work that will help each other out when we can. Um, and, and, and do that. Um, now with like, with, with people in the organization, whether it's coaches or general managers or players or things like that, that's a different level of relationship building because in, in that you're really trying to build a trust level with the people that you work with daily so that when the bleep hits the fan in difficult times, you can have open and honest conversations with them about what's going right or what's going wrong. And, and, and our job as reporters to relay that to the, the people who are paying our salaries essentially by, by, by consuming our content. And, but you know, the, the key for me on that end has always been um, to be as fair as humanly possible and to give everybody as much of an opportunity to, give me their perspectives to inform the stories that I write so that when I present it, it's as balanced as possible. I mean, there are certainly people out there that, you know, will just go with one side of a story that will just kind of take cheap shots and be unfair. I've never been that kind of person. And so I've always just really kind of uh, leaned on understanding that, that this is a two-way street and that the access that I have to, the people I cover is unique. And so I have to respect that. Um, there's, it doesn't mean we're going to agree all the time. It doesn't mean every story is going to be flowery and, and complimentary, but I do think it means that even when things are going poorly, there's going to be an understanding that I am writing the facts as I know them and, and see them. And I'm going to give them every opportunity to have their input, to say why things are going the way that they are. And so hopefully that at the end of the day prevent pre presents 
the most accurate and fair portrayal of what's happening. And then, you know, you can argue with the, um, what I want is what, what flip sounders you always used to tell me is the truth cannot be controversial. So, um, I want to be presenting the truth as much as I can. And so if we have disagreements on maybe how something was worded or, or something like that, that's one thing, but the, the facts of the, the case, the information in my story, um, that is rarely in dispute. And so if that's the case, then we can have longstanding relationships and we can work together over a long haul and, and, and get the understanding and the trust built up to have those important conversations um, so that, so that uh, at the end of the day, you know, we all walk away thinking, okay, I understand why Ryan Saunders made this decision. He understands why I wrote this. And then we move on to the next day. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm interested in how that plays out just mentally for you. Like when you're writing about these things and you're, you're, you're maybe touching on some things that you know will maybe step on, you know, a toe or two. And you maybe like, do you have to like kind of check yourself? I'm just thinking that you want to make sure the players are sitting down when you talk to them, that they're not standing (laughs) up. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's it. I mean, it's, yeah, there's, there's certainly been times where, where players and coaches have gotten very angry at maybe I found out something I was not supposed to find out. Um, Maybe I'm presenting information that um, is not publicly available right now. And, and it wasn't, presented on their terms but um there is an inherent kind of um conflict of objective uh sometimes in what they they want what a player wants out there or what a coach oftentimes wants out there is something that is only you know kind of concentrates on the good and kind of either ignores the bad or or just kind of rewrites history to make it look different and look at favorable in their eyes. Um, for a reporter like myself, the, the, the reason that I have the following that I do is that people trust what I write to be uh, as accurate as possible. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to be playing favorites, that I'm going to um, be glossing over things that shouldn't be glossed over. And I'm not going to be insulting the intelligence of my audience by writing propaganda. And it's, and and it's very much for a reporter, right? Like you can lose your reputation in an instant, right? I mean, if if, if you do one thing, it can just all be gone. Absolutely. That's And that's it. And that's, that is to me, the, the driving force of what I do every day and, and why fairness um, and accuracy are the two most important things to me is the last thing in the world I ever want is to write a story and it to be false. And then all of the hundreds and thousands of stories I've written before that will not stand up to that one bad one. And that's what people are going to remember. That's what players and coaches will use against you. Um, and that's what will make your life as a journalist uh, in much more difficult. And so um, at the end of the day, what I want to happen is even if a player is upset at the content of the story, I don't want that player to be able to dispute the facts of the story. And so there might be someone who is really mad that I chose to write about this particular subject. But I, if I say, is this wrong? 
then and and if they can't say no it if they can't say yes it's wrong then we at least have that ground to stand on and that's the most important ground um so um you know it's it, it's a business that is filled with tension. That is, you know, th these players are under a lot of pressure. They're making a lot of money. They have people yelling at them all the time. And so there are <laughs> going to be times when it's not going well. And I write a story that reflects that and they're going to get upset. Generally though, if there is the backbone of the story is all truth in nature and I'm not, you know, taking unnecessary shots at them, they could get mad, but they'll get over it. And and it's it's it, it are it's the 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 uninformed or the the cheap shot stories I think that bury reporters and and make it really impossible for them to do their job going forward. And so that's that's to me what I lean on every single day is making sure that uh, that doesn't happen to me because I've seen it happen to others and uh, it's not pretty. Yeah, I've seen I'm I, like a couple of big names just popped in my head like Dan Rather. And uh, Brian Williams, yeah. remember those guys? Yeah. Dan, yeah. Like Dan Rather was this like solid newsman for God knows how many years, like since the, like through the Kennedy assassination into the 90s, into the 2000s. One story. Yep. And you're done. Yeah. <laughs> like, sit That's down, it. Dan. You know, and it, look, you know, it's, and especially in this day and age, I mean, you know, not to get political, but there is, you know, there, there are messages being sent from on high that the media in general, is the enemy is not to be trusted and i will be the first to admit that there are segments of the media and there are certain reporters or outlets or think that that should be viewed with skepticism that should be viewed warily there's no doubt about that and they make uh, a bad rap for us in general but you know kind of the 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 issue that we run into is that everyone is tagged with the media as this monolith as this one entity and that's not the case there are there are good coaches and bad coaches there are good bankers and bad bankers there are good grocery getters and bad grocery getters there are good journalists and there are bad journalists and and so um yeah we are we are under scrutiny more so than ever before and so that's why we have to be as diligent as we ever have been to try and avoid the, the booby traps uh, that are out there waiting for us. So as a Minnesota native, we know the Minnesota sports scene. Um, yeah. I, I grew up. <laughs> we, as we laugh about it. <laughs> I, I actually grew up. I grew up in North Dakota, and uh, I, I had a guy that played at NDSU by the name of Phil Hanson. So I became a Buffalo Bills oh, yeah. fan growing up. Absolutely. And so I have just as much heartbreak in my professional sports career. So I can relate to the Vikings fans. In fact, I joke with people because I've been to 13, 14 Buffalo Bills games in Buffalo, <laughs> and I've only seen two Bills wins, John. <laughs> oh, and you man. know who they've both hey, been now against? Now you got Stephon Diggs. Now you got Stephon Diggs, so your yeah. problems are solved. And <laughs> both those wins have been against the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> oh man! So yeah, that? now we got Diggs. So all my buddies now, of course, are telling me that Diggs is a cancer, and I'm saying, you know what? He's going to be in the right culture. Things are going to be good. <laughs> yeah. My son is yeah. not happy. I'll tell you that. Yeah, there's a lot of 14 jerseys that are. <laughs> my four-year-old son is like, what? He wears a blue shirt now. This yeah. is not acceptable. He's with America's team, yeah. the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, what what's that been like? Just as growing up, obviously, you must have been a huge sports fan, like you said, and covering the teams and 
being a part of it and you got to obviously separate the fandom from your job a little bit, mm-hmm. but I'm sure your buddies are heckling you and trying to get information and trying to wonder what's going on and, and just seeing that Minnesota sports drama over the years. What's it just been like growing up here and now being in this profession? Yeah, it, it, it look, it, I mean, I, I grew up a, a Vikings fan, a, a Wolves fan, a Gopher fan, all of those things. And um, I think when you become uh, a journalist, you kind of have to set a lot of that aside. I mean, because you know you have to be able to look at the the team that you're covering um, with uh, a dispassion because the the fandom can cloud your judgment um, on on how you report and how you write stories and things like that. So I've had to set aside just like the fandom and saying, boy, I want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl or I want the Wolves to win an NBA title or, or things like that. Um, but it has, plus it's good for your health it, overall. It is good for your health <laughs> overall. Um, be, you know, but, but it has been difficult in terms of there's no, the best part of my job is when you're covering a team that is doing really well because players are in a good mood. They want to talk to the media um, coaches are, are much more forthcoming and, and, and open when, when, when they're winning, when they're happy. I mean, you know, um, it's, uh, you know, Sean, if I would have come down there and you guys were two and 14 and I wanted to do this Mason story, it would have been a little, a, a little bit different. Probably you just wouldn't have been in the same mood, uh, about things. And so, so walking into a happy locker room is a great thing for a reporter because you get color, you get, um, you get candor that oftentimes you don't get in losing locker rooms. And so um, from that standpoint, it, nothing would be more enjoyable than to cover a Viking Super Bowl run. Um, it would be it, it, not only to write the stories, but also you, you become as a journalist sort of connected to the fans that you're representing and that you are trying to inform. I mean, you see the passion that they have for, for their teams and how important it is to them. I mean, it's important enough that they spend extra money of their hard-earned dollars to read what I have to write um, on a daily basis. And, and I don't take that lightly. And so to, to be able to kind of experience what it would mean like to this state for one of you know for the for the wolves or the or the vikings or the twins to to break through and and win a championship for the wild to do it something like that uh there would be so many just uh, remarkable stories to tell in that not in just the teams but in the fans who experience it and and i look forward to hopefully one day being able to do that but yeah you know (laughs) when when your teams are constantly struggling and the wolves have been just awful for most of the time that I've covered them. Is it really uh, since 2000? Was that 2004? 2004. Yeah. Is that really the game yeah. they were replaying the other night, I believe? And yeah, you did a little story uh, on they're, they're They're actually replaying that one um, next week. Okay. Uh, what but, was the game you were live tweeting recently? Uh, that was the Kevin Garnett coming back from Brooklyn. Um, That's in the right. Trade, his first, his first trade back. Yeah. So, but yeah, like, you know, that game for, for instance, that, you know, Wizards Timberwolves in February after Garnett was traded back from Brooklyn. I mean, the, 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 uh, the environment was so electric because the Wolves fans have not had hardly anything to cheer about no. um, over the last 14 years. And, and so, you, you know, I walked out of the arena that night and I thought, you know, this is what 
it's like in Golden State all the time. This is what it's like. <laughs> and they're saying you know, that it, guy it, it, is in yeah, this it, building. Yeah, yes, that's all. In it's San in. Antonio all the time. And and meanwhile, the Wolves have it's just been so bad for so long. So it's harder to cover those teams. It's harder to uncover stories and write compelling angles on things when it's you you know you're getting kicked in the teeth day after day. Um, yeah, it's 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 not easy. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, I, it's. And for, for a guy who's been a Bills fan, I know that, you know, and I always had a big passion for, for media and, and, and the stuff that you guys do. And so I, I used to just eat it up, you know, like common yeah. talks about and just spit it out. And, um, but man, when the team isn't good, I mean, you just really do appreciate, you know, all the content you can get because those people that are true fans just, just love it and they just can't get enough of it. Um, so as we wrap up here, we kind of have just kind of a few questions we'd like to ask you kind of, and you can kind of make your decision on uh if you're going to answer or what type of answer you want to do but um i think uh you know during this this crisis covid has changed our lives a lot i mean i'm thinking for you you know you travel with the team uh yes i do okay yeah. so, so obviously and, and now, yeah no travel no yeah for you i mean that's changed your life a lot so one of the questions i've been asking is if is just right now like we're basically quarantined so if, if you could add one person to your family clan right now that's living. <laughs> if you could add one wow. person that you could choose that you would decide to add to the homeschool John Krasinski life, the five and seven year old, who would that person be and why would you pick them? Oh boy, that's a that is a that's a great question. I'm, let me just try and think quickly here as I go through it. Um, I was thinking having two John Krasinski's in the house might be interesting. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll take all the help I get. I'll take the John Krasinski from the office yeah, right, right now if That's... I can and, um, and, and do it. Um, I'm trying to think of who it would be. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just say this and it, I'm sure there's a million other answers, but I, I say, I'll say Jack Black right now, just because <laughs> I just watched school of rock the other night. Oh, I did too. And, and and I'm thinking like, man, he just came in and entertained the heck out of all of these uh, middle school or high school kids um, and, and turned a very ridiculous situation into uh, a, just a highly entertaining thing. So I figured he could come in and make my kids laugh and maybe even make them a little smarter because I'm certainly struggling on that end of things. Um, and so it, you know, if you could get somebody that's just fun to be around and just like kind of breathe some life into the house and get super creative in, in finding ways to, to kind of help your kids in, you know, enjoy this, this, this time while they're kind of stuck inside and not being able to be with their friends while also giving me, I'm sure plenty of laughs and, 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 and things to, to, to enjoy. Yeah. I, I, I take somebody like that for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I think we could all use a little more laughter in our life right now. <laughs> Until you become second fiddle to Jack Black and all your your kids just want to hang out with Jack. Can yeah, I, can that's I that true. I wouldn't mind being outshined right now. For a <laughs> so, yeah, and then we got to bring up, obviously, the John Krasinski part. I know you're pretty good about yeah. it, and I, I, I'm just curious, obviously, for those that don't know, your, your name's spelled similar. Well, it sounds the same as the guy from The Office. Um and I know, I just wonder how much of your life have you had to separate this out and, and how does it affect your day to day? Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting, um, you know, because I came up, it, it, you know, John Krasinski from The Office has been really popular for what, the last decade or so, maybe. Um, 
So I started to make a like a little bit of a name for myself as a journalist and on radio and things before he was kind of around. And so um, then, you know, you're kind of in this little bubble in, in, in the twin cities where, you know, people will come across you and, and say, Oh, John, I'm a huge fan, all this stuff. Great. And it's, it's very nice and, and really humbling and, and things like that. But um, then lo and behold, this other John Krasinski comes (laughs) along and not only am I now not the only John Krasinski, which is a very unique name. I'm not even close to the most, important John Krasinski that's out there or, or, or more, or most popular. And so, you know, there have been times where I, I know that this was years ago, maybe, maybe eight years ago or so um, the Timberwolves at last game of the season, they had kind of this, this after party thing after the game season was over bunch of um, Timberwolves uh, like salespeople and executives and things were all together. And I stopped by and had a beer with people and um, one of the one of the guys there said, uh, you know, uh, hey, I'll, I'm going to come and introduce you to my girlfriend. She's right over here and and brought me over and said, hey, Melissa, this is John Krasinski. I, I this guy I've been telling you about. And you could see on her face. She looked up and then she went. <laughs> she was like disappointed <laughs> because she's like, oh, this John, I thought you were talking about the other one. And and so like it becomes that kind of thing. And you know, I get tweets when a quiet place comes out or a quiet place too. And, Oh, I loved you in this. And, and it's fun. Like I just always reply back and just like, Oh, thank you for, for your, for following your fandom. And they always just kind of laugh. And so I enjoy it. You know, it, it is what it is. Um, I, I do hope one day to be able to run into him. Or, yeah. You got to meet him or, or, or meet him and, and, and have a little conversation because we've had a lot of fun with it here. And, you know, there's nothing you can do besides embrace it, but it, it is funny. Like, listening on tv and he's on you know a a trailer will come on and you know john krasinski in a quiet place or something and wait that's my name that's that's just weird it's just it's kind of funny i missed the boat there was a guy there was a a former nfl linebacker named dan clark um okay i can't remember what he he played for but he also after he retired he became a motivational speaker in like the 1980s so (laughs) i've seen his youtube clips and i'm like i'm happy that that was before my time. I didn't have to compete. I don't have to compete. Yeah, otherwise that. it would really affect your life. Yes, of course. <laughs> How could I teach? Yeah. All right, a couple more and we'll get you out of here. Um, this has got to be a tough one for you, but most famous person in your phone is? Uh, Adrian Peterson, probably. I would, I would, I mean, it's there. Adrian, Carl Anthony Towns, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's probably Adrian Peterson. Um, there might be one or two more if I thought about it, but he's 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 up there pretty high yeah, for that's, sure. That's a, that's a pretty big one. That's awesome. Mine's mine's John Krasinski. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> and not the right one either. So. <laughs> all right, favorite restaurant. When uh, COVID gets over, that you're gonna go yeah. have a meal. There's a there's a place not far from my house here in in St. Anthony Village, um, just kind of just just a little bit northeast of of Minneapolis, and uh, it's called Chimborazo. It's an Ecuadorian place. Um, they do this unbelievable kind of um, pork dish with these things called yapangachos that are like little 
cheesy potatoes and um and a fresh salad that's like the best thing ever and so my wife and i go there you know often and we still are able to get some takeout from there and we're trying to support them as much as we can but um it's not there's nothing like going on a thursday night or something and sitting there and uh soaking up the ambiance having a bottle of wine and 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 having some great food that uh just cannot wait to to be able to do that again no doubt we're gonna get there but man (laughs) that's one of the best parts about life right going out and just eating and drinking and socializing and being with people (laughs) that's something we all miss right now well thanks a lot john we really appreciate it we're just two guys, a little bit of a hobby here, and we, we got some time, yeah, but uh, this has been awesome. So, thanks. No, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, it's been great. Yep. We'll look forward to uh, listen, listening to you on the radio and following your stuff. So, have a good one, John, and uh, those kids better be in bed. Yeah, they better be pretty soon. My wife better be getting, taking care of things. I say that now. I hope she doesn't hear me. So. <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. See you later. See you guys.